Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. Again, if you're new to the show, then you'll want to join our Facebook group. Just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. My guest this week is Mike Morrison, who together with Callie Willows forms the Membership Guys. And this is a longer than normal interview. Mike can really talk and what he says is worth listening to. So I just let him. So without further ado, let's meet Mike. So Mike Morrison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making some time for me this week. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to um, talking all things business, digital, all that geeky stuff. So Mike, for those people who don't know you, and there probably are a lot, do you maybe want to start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Sure. So I'm uh, Mike Morrison. I'm one half of the membership guys, along with my my partner in business and my partner in life, uh, Callie Willows. And together we teach influencers, experts, um, subject matter practitioners, how to start and grow successful online membership businesses. Uh, we do that in a variety of different ways. We put out a lot of great free content. We've got a lot of resources that we share on our blog and on our podcast. And we also run our own membership site about membership sites. We like to keep it meta. Um, that's called the Membership Academy. And that's that's the core of our business now. And how long have you been doing that? Because I know you as Mike from the Membership Guys, but I know it wasn't always that way. It it wasn't, no. Um, we we launched the Academy just over four years ago. I think it was the end of August 2015. Um, before that, we, we actually ran a, a digital marketing agency. Um, we've been in, in this world um, officially kind of full-time, starting as a freelancer about, what is it now, 2019, 2020? So it was about 2006. Um, when I kind of made the jump into freelancing as as kind of a web developer, online marketing consultant. Um, but then I think it was around about 2011, I started working with Kali and we were working together and kind of building a digital marketing agency that didn't just work with, with membership businesses. We worked with some memberships, we worked with some e-learning e companies, um, but also the, the typical kind of business, you know, the accountants, solicitors, um, uh, painters and decorators who just needed simple websites or a real straightforward strategy to, to promote themselves online. And um, we we enjoyed some success in, in the agency. And it got to a point where we we were successful enough to be able to start being a little more discerning about who we worked with. Um, I know, I know, Bob, you run an agency. There is that period of time where you take on clients that you don't want to work with, right? Jobs that don't excite you, but they're your bread and butter. We we were fortunate, blessed, whatever, to get to a point where actually we could start saying no to a lot more of the sort of clients and a lot of the projects that just didn't interest us. And 
as it turned out, the ones that did interest us were online memberships because there was a lot, a lot more potential for us to flex our muscles and use all of the tools in our toolkit on, on a tech side, on a design side, on a strategy side, on a marketing side, because with a membership, it's not just about getting something launched. It's, it's a full-fledged online content-driven business. So there was they were much more fun for us to work with. And as a result, we, we got to a point where they were the only types of jobs we took on. So we we kind of, not accidentally, because there was a little bit of, of, of purpose um, behind that, that niching down, but we became a niche agency that only worked with online memberships. And we were the only agency of our type, I believe. Um, and that led to us basically getting oversubscribed and it, it reached a point where we were having to say no a lot and um, we we wanted to find a way of, of serving those people we just didn't have time to work with in in a different way and that's what uh, led us into creating our membership site. I think what you described there as a journey is very interesting and it doesn't end there obviously mm. but one of the things I'm keen to understand a little bit about, and I think anybody listening will probably resonate with this, is as you described as a local small agency, whether you're web or digital or even a copywriter or any kind of creative really, as you described, when you're getting started, if people pay you enough to walk their dog, you'll probably do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, and, and a lot of these small businesses start it's not even startup this can go on for many 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 years mm. they they attend local networking events and as you described you get the painters and decorators you get the small and medium budget projects but you never really break through into the kind of space that allows you to niche as you have to niche in a membership site space requires you to network differently and i begin to understand what that looked like yeah, so that um, uh, initially, when we realized, one, how much we enjoyed these these types of projects, um, two, how profitable they were, because actually we were helping these people to make money, and because they were making money, and they were making it as a result of working with us, they spent more. Um, and so once we started kind of identifying this as a real uh, area that we might want to, to just zero in on, we, I think, initially kind of almost ring-fenced like our services so that we had our general, our, our general services that were available to anyone, but we had a particular package that we, we essentially turned into a productized service for, for memberships. So that enabled us to to still kind of run the agency and still network and market in, in the regular way. But then we still had something we could say, we have, we've got something specifically for memberships when those referrals came in and, and the referral, the, sorry, that side of the business was largely driven just by, by word of mouth. We weren't doing any content marketing. We weren't mentioning it at networking events and, you know, both myself and Kali were, were, pretty prolific, I think, um, without patting myself on the back too much in our local areas on for networking, um, both in, in Newcastle and in, we lived in Somerset for a little while. So, but we never mentioned the membership stuff there because those people just weren't in the room. The first clients we got were, um, 
were online, they were through being part of other communities. And it was it only took one or two people to start the ball rolling because what we were offering was so specific and so niched that the the likelihood of word of mouth and referrals from those clients was was a lot higher. And the the knock on kind of becoming known within these these kind of small pockets online for something real specific that then led to us getting a, initially a few more and then it snowballed and snowballed and snowballed to a point where we kind of looked at think, okay so we're getting up at six in the morning which i hate i'm not a morning person <laughs> but you know i at one point Callie in particular at one point she was going to four networking breakfast meetings every week and this was in somerset where like newcastle everything's 10 minutes away somerset you know you have to drive an hour just to go to your local supermarket it's so spread out and so she was putting in some hard miles getting up at six in the morning um to go to networking meetings you're there for three or four hours then you generally um someone will kind of say oh do you want to hang around for a for a cuppa and have a little chat and before you know it, your day is gone, right? And you've you convince yourself that that it's moving the needle, but actually, if you sit down and you work out your effective hourly rate, which is like how 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 much of my actual valuable time, if we put a dollar a pound figure, has been spent having a stale premier in breakfast <laughs> and and chatting with someone who we know just isn't going to be a client but they you know give us gain and all that sort of stuff like we start to to look at things in a different way as as this source of new work through through word of mouth online and through being part of these little um online communities once that started picking up we're like okay well if we actually put in even just half as much effort into that rather rather than going all in on on the local marketing then where might that take us and that was kind of the start of a re of a of a essentially a revamp of how we we got new business because ever since i went freelance in 2006 the first act of my my business was to go to a a bni meeting Hmm. like my business was born at seven in the morning um around a table of people passing referral slips and all that sort of stuff that that was my first day so that was all i'd known really um so that was a little bit of a shift but it was a good one yeah and i think as well that kind of networking is habit forming it is it is and uh, sorry just to to put i think as well and i like i I don't want to be one of these people who kind of like you know was was all about the networking and then now i'm not doing it and i'm trashing other people who still do or anything like that because mm. um that's not my perspective but i would say some networking organizations have a vested interest uh, in keeping you on that hook and convincing you that you cannot survive as a business owner outside of their network and their messaging is very very manipulative there's one in particular i'm I'm thinking of. I'm not going to name names, but you probably know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But where where they kind of say, "What else are you going to do to get your business if you're not coming here? How else do you expect to make money if you're not in the room passing referrals?" And when I first started, I was still young, so I was kind of early twenties, 
and everyone else in this network was kind of 40 50 plus they'd been in years in business for years and so i i honestly was real susceptible to to that messaging you know you if you're not willing to get up at five in the morning and come to a networking meeting you're not serious about your business if you're not in a room to get referrals you will not get business from from anywhere else like of course you're not this is how business works and i think a lot of people get get sucked in by that and as you say the habit kicks in and it gets to a point where even if you're not getting any referrals i'll always remember one guy in my in my bni group um the guy never got a, a referral because what he offered was so like so specific it was um they provided plants for um kind of commercial office blocks yeah everyone else in the room was a one-man band they didn't have connections to to people with big commercial office blocks that happened to need plants so even if there was the rare referral that came in it was a one-time job but that guy had been in that chapter for like seven years and maybe maybe did like 500 pounds worth of business but you get to a point where you then start justifying and then you get that confirmation bias and you start kind of you don't want to admit that it's a waste of time because you've already invested so much money in it and you're not stupid but only someone stupid would invest that so it it can become uh, a vicious vicious habit yeah and i think even when it does work that that's where that's where the problems can come in because you might be doing really really well from it but it's it's difficult to scale that kind mm. of referral based business yeah yeah, I, f I found, because I, I went into, um, again, specifically BNI, other networks which are a little looser, like for networking, stuff like that, there's the, there's more room to go and more room to grow. Um, but BNI particularly, once I, I went in as a web designer, because um, obviously you'll, you'll know you have to pick a category. Once I des redesigned the website of everyone in the room, that was it. Like, <laughs> like I, I spent a year getting getting kind of one project at a time from everyone around the table and massively undercharging them because you know give us gain so you want to give them mate rate. Um, but after that, that was it because they weren't going out and doing other marketing or other networking outside of BNI because it was kind of frowned on. So they didn't have a network outside of the people that were in the room. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a funny one, but you're right. There's there's a ceiling, as there is. I uh, th there's a ceiling in in referral based networks. There's a ceiling in in local networks and local marketing. There's a ceiling in in time for money, and there's a ceiling in memberships and uh, online businesses. It's just I think with something like an online membership, that ceiling is astronomically higher um, than mm. than other models. If there's another place I'd like to go with one of the decisions you made while you were an agency and that was you said you were busy mm. and the decision that you could have made and I think lots of other people would have made is it's time to grow mm. why didn't you make that decision oh man what a big question um there was a period of time where where that is the direction I I went down so this was this was kind of pre-Cali so um my freelancing career was it was it was going all right and it started really picking up when i kind of partnered with 
uh, a guy who ran a small agency. So initially I'd kind of come in as a subcontractor um, to to help with with clients who need a strategy, but also to help with um, like the web builds and stuff like that. And we like we did a lot of business together and there then came that conversation of, you know, should we actually take this a step further? So we went into business together as an agency and we had um, staff, we had a, a bunch of subcontractors and that was the route that we were going down and it it just didn't work. It was just one of those, one of those situations that for a variety of reasons just didn't work out. Um, so that, that was a factor in why I was a little more hesitant to go down that path with with Cali when we like we got together and and created our agency we did work with subcontractors but since day one i've always had this this conflicting thing of on the one hand i've always liked the idea of a of a more freedom based lifestyle centric business where i can get out of bed 11 in the morning, I can watch TV till stupid o'clock, I can go where I want, I can go on holiday, I can take a week off at a time just to do nothing if I want to. So that's on the one end of the kind of, this is this is the dream, right? <laughs> to be able to live like a student for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> and then the other side is the empire dream. It's the incredible office, the massive staff, the, the funky um like games area because you know if you're a digital agency you do anything online you've got to have an area where there's like uh, a table tennis table and and foosball and stuff like that and like video games consoles i think my problem is anytime i thought of the huge agency with staff i thought a lot more about you know what would what the staff room be like like what would the what would the non-work stuff be like um but i've i've for for nearly 15 years i've never been able to consistently decide which of those are which of those pictures I like best. I've always leaned a little a little more towards the lifestyle um, stuff, and that that was a factor in why we decided we're not going to take on staff. We're not going to um, even just expand the the subcontractors that we work with because all you're doing then you, you're moving the ceiling up a little bit more, and you're increasing your overheads like it's it's you know the old notorious big more money more problems like yeah. <laughs> it it doesn't make your business that much realistically that much more profitable because you're still trading time for money it's just someone else's time and then the time that i was previously billing for is now spent administering the other people's time that i'm charging out and yes you know you can increase your profitability and increase your revenue by degrees but it's just not enough to warrant the the hassle for me and i'd always kind of seen the prospect of that as a hassle whereas you know again with with something like an online membership the the revenue and the costs scale disproportionately so like as an example with membership academy our profit margin by pre-tax um is about 94 percent and it's been around that it maybe a tiny little bit higher at the beginning but it, it doesn't move that much because like the the costs on our side that are involved from having a membership that's got a thousand members to having a membership that's got two thousand members the costs don't change 
Like, yeah, we pay a little bit, like maybe an extra 20 um, pounds a month for our email marketing software based on, because that's based on how many people are on your list. But like, we don't need to increase our server size um, for an extra thousand members. So that and, 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 and the, what that enables you to do is, is of total different kettle of fish to, to have an, an agency. Like yeah. a, with with a lot of staff and a lot of overheads, I think within the entrepreneurial space, especially the local enterprise agencies, they're very very fixated on build to sell, mm. um, and there's a real like lifestyle business is a dirty word, <laughs> and it's <laughs> you, you and I think they look at that because yeah, I think this this build to sell is just such a but the thing, an easy way to look at things. Yeah, but the thing is, if you're building, if you're building an agency, like nine out of ten, it's not suitable for sale anyway because it's a, it's, it's a one where the product is, like people, it's it's their skill set, it's their knowledge and expertise, as opposed to having something that is like patentable and that that can be mass distributed or like you don't agencies i don't think in terms of all the different types of businesses that you can have are probably one of the least suited to just to to the end goal being an exit right um versus yeah it's it's not great as an investment vehicle you know if you're if you're a business investor and all that sort of stuff so yeah and the problem truth is a lot of these a, a lot of these um sort of agencies the people who are advising running these things they've never ran their own business like we used to have um i i don't remember we used to have something called business link up here in the the northeast i think that was a uk-wide thing wasn't it business link um yeah i think that it's different people have different have, have the contract to deliver yeah. this on behalf of business gateway in the uk everywhere yeah so so the regional development fund that we had up here like we used to like in my previous employment i worked at a um at essentially a, a a consultancy business that was a fairly big size agency but it was yeah the digital arm you had kind of the business consultancy arm and all that sort of stuff and we did so much work with business link back when there was a lot of government grants and funding like they used to fund people a thousand pound to be able to to get a business plan done and so like it was there was crazy money being thrown around by these these development funds um and the the reps there, the people making the decisions, the people doling out the advice, had literally never ran their own business, never done anything entrepreneurial, and you know generally they'd come from careers in like banking, or you know they were maybe an ex junior accountant, but they never they never ran, spent a day in their lives running a business, and I remember one guy in particular who worked at one of these uh, these development funds. He came to work for us at um, at this company as a business development manager, and he was useless because he, he was almost brought in to almost to enable this, the the MD of the company to um, semi retire. So he was basically brought in to run her business, and he didn't have the foggiest idea of of what to do. Like genuinely, I think I saw him spend more time sitting reorganizing his iTunes library than than he did 
anything even remotely resembling what a what what someone in business should be doing and about four months later the business went under so you know that's an isolated incident and there's a lot more to it but yeah the whole notion of lifestyle business is a dirty word um i think is because some people use that as okay lifestyle business is someone who just sits on like knits um (laughs) toy animals to sell on on etsy um for me a lifestyle business is a business and and for a lot of people, it is a business where the main motivator of the people running it is to achieve a level of success that facilitates a particular lifestyle that they want. We're a, a multi-million pound business, but we're a lifestyle business, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah. So let's dig into Membersite Academy now. Membership Academy. Membership. Yeah, we rebranded. That was <laughs> that was a long one. We um we went yeah about three and a half years as Member Site Academy because um someone else had the domain name for Membership Academy and it was a thorn in our sides until we were finally just this year able to um, persuade him to part with that domain and with that brand. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That was a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about Membership Academy then. Why do people join and what is the experience as a member? Yeah, so um, Membership Academy, it basically caters to anyone who either has or is looking to start an online membership business. And we cover essentially the whole the whole journey from someone who's just got an idea and they're they're in that kind of planning and ideation stage and they they're starting to put together a a picture of what they would want their membership look like we kind of take them through a whole process we've got something called the membership roadmap that takes them from idea to actually building the site we show them how to do that to launching it and to finding their feet and getting the fundamentals and the strategy and all that stuff in place um but then beyond that we we help people with with growth that might just mean marketing and sales but a lot of cases it means things like implementing processes streamlining their content production because most of the memberships in our academy they are con they are memberships that sell premium content community day-to-day running and scaling of, of the membership so you know we do that through um, educational resources so we've got courses workshops training um we have actual tools as well so um a lot of people who are running online memberships they they run them on wordpress with a membership plugin so we've got like a, a custom built theme that enables them to you know get something that looks real nice and we've got a bunch of other stuff and then we've got the community where they have access to us um as well as to you know two and a half thousand other membership owners and um yeah that's it's kind of almost the one-stop shop for anyone at any stage of uh, of building running growing uh, an online membership the great thing about it as well like we've always had the commitment to to being best in class in terms of the product and in terms of the problems we help people solve and all that sort of stuff but so many of our members the main thing they get from being a membership is actually being able to see what we do so we have kind of this dual role we are a membership that provides the stuff that a membership should provide but we're also a living case study so they they come in and they watch what we do and 
they pay attention to how we react to certain things. So we've got a problem member like that, just watching how we deal with them is a learning experience that they can apply. Um, watching how we market and sell our own membership uh, as well, that's that that's that odd kind of double layer of, of value there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's obviously led to us kind of, taking an approach where we we try and be as transparent as possible and anytime we do something we we know like we bring in a new feature or we try a new strategy we know we also have to go back to our members and kind of say okay so this is why we just did that um but it's really really cool we've got an awesome community in there of all sorts of different people like we've got people who've got memberships catering towards um professional home stages so people who like professionally stage homes that are going to be sold like there's a market for that there's a membership for that and they were in our membership we've got like people who run memberships for showing how to take care of tropical fish like for tropical fish <laughs> enthusiasts <laughs> so they come to our membership to learn you know the nuts and bolts and all that um so it's awesome like it's it's honestly the most enjoyable thing we've ever done and like coming into our well into our fifth year now and we still like absolutely love almost every aspect of it like no business is perfect but this um yeah it's 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 pretty cool to be able to do this full-time i think one of the things sort of putting myself in your shoes a little bit that must be really rewarding and obviously everybody can't be the perfect case study but when you see somebody go from the treadmill of doom where they're constantly trading time for money into a whole different kind of business model that's much more scalable and leverageable and they make a success of it that must be incredible definitely definitely because like the the thing anything in the online world and you'll know this and you'll have seen this and so will your audience um whenever things like memberships or online courses or build your business online get talked about so often the the focus is on look how much money you can make right um for me it's always been a lot more about the lifestyle it's coming back to it again reducing the pressure and the stress and the strain and uh, and the the mental impact that can come from having having a business where you are trading time for money where there are ups and downs like i've i've been in the place where i had to get up at six in the morning work all day get to bed at like three in the morning get back up again three hours later because we had a crunch deadline on on a project and something went wrong and if we didn't get it finished by this date i wouldn't get paid and i couldn't pay my bills like that's that's not healthy and i uh, and both myself and callie like callie um has had some some health issues over the years so you know she when she was in a place with her business when we first met we were running our, our own thing separately um but where she was burning out and running herself in the ground and physically suffering for it um with myself uh i've i've had um struggles with depression going back like 15 years or so um 
and while it's it's not been a, a big part of my life for a long long time it's something i still need to remain mindful of and so running running a business where you have those sort of circumstances i'm talking about where you are just grinding yourself into the ground because all you've got to sell is your time and time is finite and if you don't if you don't hit this deadline you don't get paid you don't pay your bills you go into debt and the, the the stress and the anxiety and the problems pile up anything i can do to help people get out of a situation that even comes close to that is is the most gratifying thing in the world like so yeah being able to see people um like uh, jody clark for example um she is the empowered educator she she was helping um people with with kind of teachers who were focusing on kind of early learning uh, students and she was was kind of struggling she was kind of just keeping keeping the head above water with what she was doing and then she got everything in place with the membership and i remember so many conversations i had with her where she was putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and then she pulled the trigger and like the life's changed she's now Mm. retired her husband um so he he's been able to quit his job and spend time at home with the kids that both like just have a, a totally different kind of lifestyle now because of being able to get out of the place that one type of business puts you in and get into the place that another type does. Um, Mark Warner from a, he runs a website called Teaching Packs. It's a very successful website. It's over ten thousand members, but he he was burning himself out. He had no time spare it was just him doing it so through working with us in the academy he got some structure in places he got processes in place he he nailed kind of the project management side and the time management side he was able to outsource and hire people in to to help him with his membership and train them up on what they needed to be trained up on um and then yeah now he's just got a lot more time a lot more relaxed got to take his kids to disneyland for literally the first time ever like they'd been off on holidays without him because he didn't have time to to go because he was keeping this business running um and yeah he's been able to again totally change uh the way that he lives his life and runs his business around it so being able to see stuff like that like it's it's all the motivation that we need to keep doing what we're doing and it's because we've because we've been in that situation and now we're not um, we can appreciate it a little more. I have a couple of technical questions around. Okay, anybody listening think, I want to do a membership. Yay, hands in the air. <laughs> Let's go. A couple of questions immediately spring to mind for me, and you'll probably hear these specific questions all the time. So it's been nothing new for you. <laughs> but how important is it to have an existing audience to launch a membership site? Very, very. Um, too many people skip that bit and then wonder why things fail when they launch mm. like the uh, i i trot this line out all the time but regardless of what kevin costner and field of dreams <laughs> tell you build it and they will come is not a valid strategy and yeah the, however on the flip side of that you don't need to have a, an enormous audience i'm a big big fan of uh, a guy called kevin kelly who 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 kind of push this notion of 1000 true fans to really emphasize the fact that you don't need to have a huge audience to build a business that that 
you know, ticks all the boxes that you need. If you have 1,000 passionate, engaged, rabid fans who hang on your every word, you are their favourite. And they pay you to £30 a month to join a membership. It's £30,000 a month. I know a lot of people whose lives would be changed by £30,000 a month. Yeah, no, that's an absolute game changer for most people. Mm, without question, without question. Yeah. So you definitely need to have an audience in place. It doesn't need to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Generally, when we're talking about audience as well, I'm talking about people who have taken uh, a significant enough step for you to to consider them engage with you so that generally means they've signed up to your email list and they signed up because of your content not because you were giving away an, an ipad right they're not engaged <laughs> they're they are contest participants they're not your audience or they've joined a, a free facebook group that you've set up um so your twitter followers irrelevant your facebook page likes irrelevant Podcast listenership is, is a relevant measure. Website traffic, probably not. So ideally, you're going to have, I would say, 500 people on your email list. Um, that is is probably a good indicator that if you were to launch a membership today, um, you would get enough of an initial influx of members to give you a jumping off point to actually turn this into a sustainable business because otherwise if you only get five or ten people into your membership when you launched they could be the best people in the world they could love everything that you do but you you're not going to be quite there enough yet financially to be able to justify dedicating enough time to the membership to actually scale it beyond that point and you'll get to a point where you're kind of thinking why am i doing all this work for very little return it'll be like pushing water up a hill so yeah yeah it's different for every every person but i would say 500 um is a good signal um in terms of email list size and my second question is again it's probably difficult to give a, a concrete answer to but in terms of seeding a website with content how much content is enough honestly less than most people think um uh, again, it's it, it's a little bit of a how long is a piece of string question because it does depend on what the value proposition of your your membership is. And not every membership has content as the central part of their their value proposition. Um, you know, you can provide a hell of a lot of value via community, via group coaching calls, Q and A sessions, and stuff like that. Um, generally, I would say when structuring your membership content, you need to look at core segments of what your audience need. So what I mean by that is this typically three ways in which you're going to structure your content. You're either going to structure by outcome. So the problem you are solving or the solution you're providing is one that takes people through a journey towards like from, from A to Z, right? And so your segments are kind of stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. So you break down the journey into milestones to create maybe three or four segments. So for us with Membership Academy, um, you have planning, you have building, you have launching, you have growing. Generally for us, we actually go 
initial 12 months growth and then beyond 12 months growth. So there's five core segments. Um, if someone's learning to, um, to, to I'm trying to think of like, I don't know, someone, someone is learning how to play guitar, right? Then, um, the, the journey might be like buying the guitar, learning chords, learning scales, learning to read music, learning to write music. So there might be that journey that can be mapped out and then chunked up into different things. Another way, so that's the first way, structuring by outcome. Second is to structure um, by competency. So beginner, intermediate, advanced. So that might be, you know, if you've got a programming membership, uh, no, that's a terrible example. Um, <laughs> that might be, you know, if you've got a skill-based membership. So if we, we use the learning guitar, if your membership is to teach people the basics of guitar, but if you go broader than that and you cater towards all guitar players or all piano players or whatever, then you might have beginner, intermediate, advanced, fairly straightforward breakdown. Yeah. And then the third way is, is by subtopic. So again, if you've got a programming membership, this is where I pull in that example, then um, you might have a category of PHP, a category for JavaScript, a category for HTML, where they're very distinct just by what the subject is. So those are the three core ways you would structure membership content. Mm. In yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and in terms of how much content you need to start, um, the reason why I, I talk about structuring and segmenting, you need to make sure you have something for each of those segments, at least one thing for them to get their teeth into when you've launched. So if you have three core segments, whether that's stage one, stage two, stage three, whether it's beginner, intermediate, advanced, or whether it is topic one, topic two, topic three, you need to have one piece of content at least that those people can get their teeth stuck into during the first month of your membership. Um, then you can add more as the months go on. And that's the beauty of a membership site. When you launch it, you're not launching a completed product. People know they are joining something where there'll be new content added. So if you've got, say, if, if your membership is going to have courses that are kind of 90 minutes to, to two hours long and you launch and you've got four segments, so you've got four courses, one for each of those segments, you also signpost the future value that is going to be added. So you can have within your dashboard a list of what is coming up next month or even within your library. So someone goes to your course library, they see the three or four courses that are there and they see an additional three or four courses with a little marker on kind of saying um, coming November. So they look at that and it, it's that they're instantly reminded that this isn't just about what is here right now this is about what you're going to be receiving on an ongoing basis in exchange for for continuing to be a subscriber you would also supplement that with uh, live content so again this is what i'm saying before it's not just about having a whole bunch of stuff in your library things like live q a's um are extremely valuable like we we do two of those every month inside the academy we start off just doing one for you as a content creator there's no content to create you just show up so you yeah. you encourage people to come at, at certain dates you show up you make yourself available for an hour you allow people to pick your brains and they get the value that way and then the recording of that session goes into your archive and that's added to the content that you've got. So future people who join, they come in and there's more for them there. So yeah, that's broadly speaking, should give an idea 
of of where like how much you would need to start out it is a lot less than a lot of people think and even if you don't have the time to create that that initial chunk of content embracing the live aspect of content delivery is is a great way of being able to kind of fast forward through some of that stuff because if you think if you're going to record some courses that's going to mean you're sitting down at your desk generally or with something with a, a camera pointing at you talking in the camera or recording a slideshow you're going to go through that process so why not why not do it live for the first time like instead of sitting down and recording a, a two-hour long course why not do you deliver the same material over two separate one-hour live webinars that actually yeah. forces you to not be as much of a perfectionist as as you would be if you were recording this stuff in advance but also means you can launch without having created and edited up that material deliver it live for your first wave of members and then again you've got the recording that you can then edit up and chop up and put into the library as a regular course so yeah the the initial content uh, is a lot less pressure to have a huge like library stuff from from day one like the academy launched with five courses i think right i guess what i'd like to ask next is possibly a bit of an oddball question but to me looking in from the outside and i think to lots of other people it generally looks like your business is cruising you've, you've got it dialed in really really well but i'm really curious to know which part of your business now do you find personally the most challenging oh wow Wow, that's uh, that is an interesting. I've literally never been asked this question before. Um, everyone's like, "What membership plugin should we use?" Um, You've got a guide for that. Yeah, we we don't need to. Go yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> what do we find the most challenging? Huh. Uh, uh, two things I think. One is um, honestly deciding what's next. Because mm. as we, we spoke about before, I, I've kind of had that eternal conflict of, do we want to go for mega empire or do we kind of want to stay the course with, with the more lifestyle stuff? Like, do we want to go all in and, and, and add aspects to this business that would require um, some shifts to the model, some shifts to how we work, additional resources, additional investment, um, additional risk or you know do we do we keep building the business to the same kind of um, ethos and 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 sort of structure that we we previously had done and that's that's something that I think always going to be in flux because there's always a lot you can do like we've an example we've got the WordPress theme I mentioned before called memberoni which our members love, but it's only available inside the academy. And the reason it's only available inside the academy is I don't want to sell it to the public. Because if I sell it to the public, that means we're going to have to become a little bit more like a software company. And that's not a road I want to go down. But it's all there's always that question mark there of actually, well, maybe we should. We have people kind of saying, you know, could, why don't you set up like a, a an alternative? Why don't you launch your own membership plugin? Why don't you... Um, create an alternative to like Kajabi and Simplero and all of those kind of those SaaS membership um, platforms yeah. could do, but do we want to? So that's, that's always, um, it's kind of an ongoing challenge 
and uh, we we have a lot of conversations about that, and it's almost an ongoing, evolving conversation where you know I don't think it's something you just sit down and chat for half an hour and say no, actually this is us locked in, dialed in for the the rest of our time. So that's kind of the first chance. The second, I think, is around um, almost recruitment of of contractors, subcontractors. Um, we are we are both blessed and cursed to um this is gonna sound so kind of pat ourselves on the back we're blessed and cursed with with uh, uh, quite a large skill set between us yeah which means like that most business owners won't have like my my background is in in sales and marketing but i'm a massive nerd and I just so happened to to teach myself to be a ridiculously skilled programmer and developer and all that sort of stuff. So we were able to to go a long, long way into our business without needing to hire anything out to to other people. We didn't need to hire someone to build our website. We don't. We can do a lot of stuff in house, but that that is also a, a curse because it then becomes a lot harder to entrust other people with key areas of your business and we've we've been able to do that to an extent so we now work with a um with a fantastic designer after a long time of me just being unwilling to allow anyone else to design anything that comes anywhere near our brand we're now a little more trusting with that we've obviously got we've we've got a guy who helps us with minor tech stuff um We've got a community manager, a couple of admin staffers, but in looking at again that next kind of stage, like the the weird situation of thinking about hiring someone to help with our marketing, that just seems so unnatural. <laughs> it's like yeah. like it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't quite compute yet with me. Like, well, why 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 would people like we are we are the best <laughs> people at like marketing memberships or why in the world would we pay someone else to help us market our membership and it's it, it's that challenge of reminding yourself that it's not it's not about hiring people it's not always just about hiring people to fill your gaps it's about hiring people to do stuff that maybe at this stage of the game we shouldn't be spending our time doing um and trusting that those people will do as good a job if not better so that's that's definitely a challenge as well um and that's that's something that comes with also having a lifestyle business remembering to actually use those the resources that we have because it's it's me and Kali in in our house and so um you know we we're not in an office where we have team members coming in every day so it's more than uh, a dozen times a week either me or Callie will do something like a little minor admin task and then the other will say why didn't you get Laura to do that Laura's our, our um, fantastic uh, admin assistant it's like why didn't you ask Laura to do that oh you know it was quicker I just I just I was I was on the website anyway. yeah. I figured I'd just do that myself so that's always a little bit of a challenge as well I those are brilliant answers and I I was half expecting a different answer okay and what, what were you expecting expect- yeah well what I was expecting <laughs> is for you to start t- telling me about retain live oh wow yeah <laughs> that that was uh, a different so, kind of challenge so that's where i would like to go now i know we've gone over the time I would oh, go, but i'm quite happy to keep going yeah. because i can't possibly not talk about retain yeah so 
that was I, I say that less as kind of a, a challenge in the business and more just a mammoth undertaking um but in a, in in some other ways it was kind of it was almost refreshing because obviously coming from running an agency where you, you have a very project oriented mode of working um to to running the academy which the academy the business is a project um so we don't we don't have that project based approach to too many things now with the academy so retain live as a standalone project um was was kind of a, a patent interrupt that was that was quite cool however man that was a challenge so for the listener uh we should probably start at the beginning yeah. what is retain live so retain live was a it was a two-day conference that we ran in our hometown newcastle upon tyne that was very niche it was a conference for people who already have online memberships focused entirely around growth so um more sales more more better retention um expansion of the business all those sorts of things were we were covering at, at the event um it was the first time myself or Kali have run an event of this scale we've done a lot of small workshops and um mastermind days and stuff but by their very design those were always eight to ten people whereas this conference we we were looking at 200 people and um it was it was a very very different kettle of fish <laughs> yeah and i guess in terms of man hours how long do you reckon it took you to pull that up? i don't even want to estimate because <laughs> we you know when i was talking about the um the the stress and the strain of the agency sort of stuff of working stupid hours and all that sort of stuff towards the to towards the end of the process of prepping for for retain that is where we were like the night before our setup day so we had the venue we had a whole day before the event kicked off for, for setup so everything that we were we were creating and preparing had to be done by by that day the night before that day we were up till three in the morning um sticking our our notes because we were emceeing the event as well sticking notes onto prompt cards at like three in the morning because we it was the last thing on the list and yeah. we just it was it was the hardest we've had to work and that's the key bit the hardest we've had to work we've worked we we we've gone through periods where we've we've kind of had a lot more focused um work on certain things within the academy but we've done that because we we chose to right and we can manage that retain we we had to like bust our butts um because yeah. there was so much so much to do we had speakers but we were also speaking as well so we had to prepare for a, a joint keynote now i've spoken on stages around the world callie hasn't and her first experience of speaking on stage like that was an opening keynote where she had to be part of a double act with me and i'm someone who my entire prep process for speaking gigs is a very isolated like thing is it's not suited mm. to to working in the collaboration with as a as, as a partner like two people on stage but we did we did five talks between us we hosted um three panels between us we emceed the whole shebang and we had to organize and and do all that sort of stuff hell of a lot of work mm. i think what a lot of people don't realize about events 
if you've if you if you're a good project manager that's great particularly when you're working in the web environment deadlines can move mm. with events deadlines can't yeah. move um, and that's a whole different ball game it really it really really is and so much of the of the build-up so we announced it a, a year before the event took place um, but there's so much you can't do until later on this like because your AV team they're not going to spring into action until like a week or so before the event um, your speakers like again you you kind of got to wrangle them and all that sort of stuff but again like so much happens just within the two days of the event that there's there's a lot that you you not only don't have control of the deadlines you don't really have control over when you start preparing and when you start doing the work because a lot of the things you need to do really depend on other stuff happening that you don't really have the ability to 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 influence so so much of the build-up was was spent on selling tickets and and filling seats and honestly my biggest takeaway from from all of it is really just how boring uh, a product to sell um the whole thing was because because there's nothing exciting about it till it happens yeah. right and it was our first event so we didn't have videos from previous years or anything like that but it, uh, there's only so much you can repeat yourself so once you've once you've given people all the details and once you've announced all your speakers then what like it's not a product that is going to change there's only so many angles you can take when trying to shift tickets before you start becoming kind of like okay so you know for the thousandth time retain live is happening on this date it really is going to be really good so if you haven't got your ticket and the reality is like so so many people like will wait to buy their ticket until like two or three weeks before the event anyway so yeah we just got so so bored in the the sales (laughs) process um and then so just burned out in the 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 build-up the actual when the work actually started and we had to start at the name badges and the lanyards and designing all the signage and all that sort of stuff and yeah like the beginning of the week that the event was in we genuinely with absolutely no hint of a joke had a conversation about worst case scenarios if we just told everyone Callie was sick <laughs> and cancelled we were like listen we'd we'd obviously we'd lose like 50 grand in returning um their their the the ticket sales but really like we'd all it would also mean we wouldn't have to go through this um yeah. but the second that we the second we we turned up at the pre-registration so we did a little um early registration mixer the night before the the two minutes like the second we turned up with that we knew that it was worth it because these were our people you know all all this time all this effort all this hassle and headaches and hoops to jump through to to put everything in place it paid off in spades and the whole thing went better than even our most optimistic um hopes in terms of there were no issues everything ran to time which is unprecedented we had people who ran multiple events and conferences we uh, coming up to us and telling us like 
just how how flawed they were by the event um so yeah we, we all that work paid off and the feedback i've heard is great and i mean when you started talking about it, i thought he's not going to do it again is he? <laughs> we honestly if you'd asked if you'd asked me in the elevator going from our hotel rooms because it was held in a it was a hotel venue going from our hotel rooms down to the reception where this early registration if you'd had the conversation with me in that elevator i would tell you that there would be no chance in hell that we would ever entertain the idea of ever doing this again like that is how we were beyond breaking point <laughs> we really were we our mindset was we just need to get through it like it's it's 72 hours including the befores and afters it's 72 hours people have gone through worse things in 72 hours we'll get through we were so we were defeated like we'd and and it was literally just by the process not because we'd failed in any way because we'd 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 sold plenty of tickets we'd got people to come from all over the world to just to be in that room and a lot of them were our people from our audience and they were telling us they were coming because of us you know because this this was a chance to to come and hang with us and hang with other members and all that sort of stuff we'd done all that but we lost don't say lost sight of that but it was definitely clouded just by how beaten down we were by by the workload by the process um in the build-up to it like we were never going to do this again um but that changed <laughs> good <laughs> well i can see there's a pre-registration page up yes. at retainlive.com so anybody is running a membership site head over to retainlive.com and pre-register it's yeah um, we had so we we on we loved every moment of it once it got underway we absolutely loved it um and we we knew we were doing it again we didn't we didn't commit to it we didn't want to stand on stage at the end of the event because a lot of uh, a lot of things if we'd known that we were going to do it again maybe we would have sold some like actually put some tickets on sale at the end of uh this year's event but we hadn't 100 percent committed to it even though we'd had the conversation at the end of day one where we're kind of saying yeah this has actually been quite cool hasn't it we're probably going to do this again, but we also knew a lot of that was adrenaline. You know, a lot yeah. of it was just the buzz. But now the buzz has subsided, and we've had time to reflect and to read the feedback from the survey and to watch over the videos and stuff like that. Um, we're still in a similar mindset. It'll be in 2021. We don't want to do this every year. Um, one, because that turns us into an event business. Like, if we if if we were doing it same time every year, the cycle would have started the day that this year's event ended. So we want a, that's, a longer break. That that's a very novel way of doing mm. things. I I don't know anybody else that's doing that. Yeah, we're going to do it every other year. Um, we know a few people who who've done that, who have said that actually it it, it was a big game changer for them. Um, partly because it's such a niche. Uh, event in terms of what we'll cover at it we'd run out of stuff to talk about we'd mm. run out of speakers we can invite on stage because we're very particular that everyone who speaks on the stage needs to either speak from a place of experience in running their own membership or in being heavily involved in a membership business 
where they've used the stuff that they're talking about. So it's not just about getting subject matter experts and just saying, can you throw the word membership in there a few times? Like we, we are, we want to make sure if somebody is saying here are three things you should do, they know because they like, they know that that's appropriate because they have the context and the experience of, of having done those things within their own membership. So that limits the field a lot in terms of speaker selection. And again, we would, we'd burn out topics, we'd burn out speakers. Uh, so yeah, every, every other year makes it more manageable for us as well. And that's obviously got to be an important thing. Um, and also a lot of the people in the room, most of them came from outside the UK. So it's a little more manageable for them to be able to, yeah. to make that trip. You know, we have people come from New Zealand, Australia, Russia, South Africa, America, Canada, South America. It's a long way to come. Um, so, you know, every other year is probably going to be a little more feasible for them. Mike, you've been really generous with your time and your knowledge and experience. If people are intrigued by the idea of a membership site or they want to connect with you, what would you like them to do next? Uh, best place to go, head to themembershipguys.com. We've got a whole bunch of free stuff there and resources and guides you can download. Um, whether you're thinking of starting a membership, whether you've got one and you need a little help, we've got stuff that will help all of you guys. Um, and you'll also find links on there to our free Facebook group. We've got about 13,000 membership owners. Um, so it's a good place to ask questions and network. But if you want to get our absolute best stuff, then you'll also find a link on that site to the Academy, which is where you'll find me and Callie doing our thing each and every day. Mike Morrison, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been fun. I loved listening to Mike's story. It's both inspiring and really practical. Before I go, just a quick reminder again to subscribe. And if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Mike for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.